You are listening to a message from Shorebreak Church's Gatherings by Travis Scott. You can get connected with more content at shorebreakchurch.com. We'll turn in your Bibles, if you have one, to Psalm 23. So we're going to be chilling tonight um, in Psalm 23. Um, hopefully you guys are having a good day. Uh, my name's Travis, and I just want to say I'm glad that you guys are here. I know some are visiting too, and so we're stoked that every single one of you guys are here. And... Um, this is our first gathering as a church. For the last few months, we've had, had core team meetings, really praying through and wrestling through what, what a church plant would look like, what Shorebreak would look like, uh, and what Jesus would have for this church. And so, um, you know, we, uh, what you see is what you get here. You're never going to have like a worship leader rappelling in, you know, onto the stage. You're never, not, nothing crazy like that. It's, it's a church, as we believe, with our vision, is that we're all about Jesus. We're just all about Jesus. It's simple. Um, It's from Ephesians 3.21. Paul said, To him be the glory in the church, and in Jesus Christ, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So, like, we just stole our vision right out of Ephesians 3.21. And I think a good vision is a vision that Paul would use for the church, that it exists to glorify God. That's what the church exists for, for the glory of Jesus. And so that's why our vision is to amplify Jesus. And we love Jesus, and we love people, one person at a time, one family at a time, uh, one area at a time. We want to see Hawaii changed for his name. This is what we're all about. Let me just start off with the question, though. What, what scares you? Like, what is the first thing that comes to your mind when, when we talk about fear? You know, for a lot of us, it could be different things because fear comes wrapped up in so many different packages. But I remember as a kid, um, you know, I was, a, I was afraid of clowns. I mean, they scared me to death. I hated them. And so, you know, but then when we grow older, we're afraid of being looking like a clown. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, we're afraid of clowns, but then we get older, it's like, we're afraid to look like the clown. I remember one Halloween, uh, you know, my mom and my dad, I was probably four or five, they dressed me up to be a clown. And if that wasn't terrible enough, they said, oh, okay, now we're going to give you a jack-o'-lantern and you can go knock on stranger's door and ask them for candy. So like, where's the sanity in that, you know? And peer, you know, fear comes in, you know, all different types of, of packages. I remember the first time I, I went on a date with my wife, Juliet, who was just playing and leading worship. Um, that was a little bit scary for me, um, you know, I, we t- went out to Mexican food, and, and I love Mexican food. A good carne asada burrito, deep fried, chimichanga style. And, you know, and I just figured, you know, she probably would order, you know, a vegetarian salad with a side of vegan because she's so healthy. And it's like, ah, I don't know what to do. What should I order? So I decided to get a deep fried lobster. Somehow, if that, if that like made it any better. And, you know, because a lot of times we can be, you know, we can fear what people think about us. You can be afraid of clowns. You can be afraid of, of all sorts of different things. You know, money problems. That's a big one, especially in today's economy. There's a reason to fear for that. How are we going to pay the bills or, or marriage conflict? Or, you know, being conflicted with who we're going to marry for, all the, for the single people. Obviously, if we're married and our married conflict is leading us to, you know, try to figure out who we're going to marry, that's a problem there. But fear is a big issue in our culture. It just is. And some people have even let fear hijack their life. Sometimes that happens, just let fear hijacking their life. You know, for, for the girl who worries about the way that she looks, so much so that she starves herself 
to, to seemingly to think that that somehow makes her more beautiful. She lets fear drive her life. You know, for the, the, the person, the employee who's running out of money and can't pay their bills, steals from the company, letting fear drive and run their life. Or, you know, for the religious person who fears about their approval before God, so we have to work and we have to do something. Somehow, though, our religious works are going to earn more favor from God. Even though the only way we have approval before Jesus and before God is the work that happened on the cross 2,000 years ago and our repentance towards him and his sanctification and him working out our justification. That, that's all up to Jesus. We, we can't earn that. That's through Jesus alone. Because nothing we do on our own can somehow earn God's favor. We can fear that sometimes. And in Psalm 23, I had you guys turn there. David writes this beautiful, like poetic psalm, this song, and it starts off so pleasant. It's beautiful. It's like, oh, I, I love this. Like pastures, fields of green, as we'll read in a minute. And then all of a sudden, in the midst of this song, there's, there's this dark emo line. And it's like, what, what happened, David? You know, you're, you're bipolar when you wrote this? You know, and w- what happened here? Well, let's read it. Psalm 23, starting in verse 1. David says this. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters, and he restores my soul. And he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for being here. We know that when your word is taught and that when your people get together, something special happens. You show up and you transform our lives. And so I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would be here and that you would reveal yourself to us so that we would see Jesus more clearly. Jesus, we want to see you more clearly. And even as we open and examine and expose the shepherd and what it looks like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't know these people in here, but you do and you know what they're going through. And whether they're going through something right now or so apply for someone they know, we know eventually we all will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. So we pray that you would speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, these popular verses most of us know. I mean, we've all heard of Psalm 23 if we've been in church for a long enough time. And even if you don't really know it, you've seen it painted, guaranteed. Psalm 23 is like the favorite verse for artists to paint. You know, you see the sheep, you know, laying beside this perfectly calm, trimmed, mowed, you know, uh, hill with a church and a steeple in the background. And it has to be fuzzy because everything's fuzzy somehow is more spiritual. It's just the way that it goes. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it's just like Christian Hallmark cliche verse almost. We've become so accustomed to it. And, you know, it's like, what's up with that? You know, where, where are the paintings of the valley of the shadow of death? 
Like, you don't see that in grandma's bathroom, you know? Like, you just don't. You don't see the valley of the shadow of death being painted. And I'm serious. It's like, where is that? It's almost like in our Christian culture, it's like, oh, we like, you know, we like, you know, everything else. But the valley of the shadow of death, let's just edit that out. Let's just push that aside. We don't really want that, you know? It's like we can pray that even sometimes for ourselves. It's like, God, make me more prosperous. Add swag to my swagger. Put, you know, spinners on my ride or whatever that looks like. Make me comfortable. Make me flourish. I just want to be happy with the way that I am. I mean, looking at my own life, I don't think I've ever prayed like, hey, God, would you bring me the valley of the shadow of death? I'm just ready to face it. Let's go, you know? I, don't, I haven't done that. And, and you know, and, and, and as we're ex- looking at this, as we're seeing it, it's going to come. The valley of the shadow of death is going to come. And it's not necessarily even a literal thing, although it it is very real, we all will die. But a lot of times this valley of darkness, which it could also be called the valley of the shadow of death, could be something spiritual, physical that we're going through on this life. And when it comes, you know, I know when I pray, it's like when it comes, it's like, but God, didn't you see my plan? Like, Like this isn't working out the way that I wanted it to. I didn't want this to happen. This doesn't fit my plans. I, I didn't want that. You know, why did they have to die? I, I want them to be here longer. I, I don't want them to go on. I don't understand that. Or why did this relationship have to end this way? I didn't plan on this happening. But I think to accurately understand this psalm, this song that David wrote, this beautiful and dark psalm all mixed together, we have to understand the shepherd. We have to understand what it means to be a shepherd. David, who penned these verses, wrote it by the inspiration through the Holy Spirit, knows all of what it meant about to be a shepherd. You know, most of us as teenagers, uh, you know, and all of us, you know, do crazy things as teenagers. I know today they're listening to Justin Bieber, watching Justin Bieber music videos, surfing, uh, surfing the web, you know, watching fail blog videos on YouTube all day. But, but at this time for David, David would have been someone who was a shepherd throughout his teenage years. But I think shepherds sometimes get a bad rap, you know? It's like, oh, the shepherding job, when we think today in our vernacular, in our culture, it's like shepherd is for the guy who can barely grow a five o'clock shadow. Like, that's what shepherding is for. But really, shepherding is a dirty job. It's a pretty dirty job. Um, For one, you had to fight off wolves and different predators when they'd come and attack your sheep. So as a shepherd, you're responsible for protecting your sheep from wolves and different animals. Like, already... I wouldn't be a shepherd. Like, no way. I don't want to face a bear. You know, I, I would never want to deal with a wolf. That, like, that's a, that's a scary thing for sure. But not only that, there were people who would, you know, be on the black market. Blah, blah, black sheep, right? That's where it comes from. No, but for real. They would be on the black market. They would go and steal sheep and then turn around and sell them to make some money. That's what they would do. So not only would you have to protect as a shepherd your, your sheep from wolves and predators, but you'd have to protect them from, from people who would come and steal them. You know, protect the sheep, sheep from different cliffs and, and wandering away. You know, sheep losing their path. Good shepherds know that current green pastures only last, though, for so long. It's like being at Disneyland, right? You know, a small world is fun for the first time. But if you've gotten stuck on, on it's a small world, you know, and it's like you're stuck on the ride and you're just sitting here hearing the same thing over and over and over again in a language. It's like, this was fun. I want to get off now, right? And a shepherd understands that. A good pasture only lasts for so long before it's time to move on. 
And so before summer, what the shepherd would have to do is he would have to travel with the sheep to go to a new pasture in order to find more food, to find more greener pastures. And a lot of times in summer, the, the most green pastures would be up on mountaintops, which meant that the shepherd would have to take the sheep through the valley. The shepherd would lead the sheep through the valley. I think sometimes that we can feel like sheep, right? We're on the green pastures. We're living it up. Life's great. We're comfortable. And it's like, hey, this is awesome. I like it right here. And then, then the shepherd comes along and then the valley comes and, and it doesn't make sense. It's like, this isn't so awesome anymore. I like my green pasture. Why am I going through the valley right now? I don't like the shadow of death. Um, this last week I was borrowing uh, Chris, he's one of our pastors, uh, his moped for the later half of this week because he was borrowing my car for something. And I've never ridden on a moped before. And moped is just a fancy word for a scooter with a motor, just so you know. doesn't make it any more cool if you call it a moped. But, you know, I've always been fascinated, though, how people on mopeds just always think they're, they're the gangster of the road. They own it. It's, they're, they're awesome. Have you guys noticed that? If you've been in Kona for any long amount of time, you've definitely have seen that. They think they're awesome. And, uh, uh, and I, and I kind of made fun of them a little bit until I rode one. And then I became awesome all of a sudden. It was like, this is really fun. I could wave at people stuck in traffic and be like, see you later on the shoulder, you know. And, and I was living it up, riding the, the moped, thinking I was the coolest guy, uh, you know, on the road. So on my way home, though, a couple of days ago, I'm on my way home and, and um, and, and, and just chilling at the stoplight took forever. And, and finally, the light goes green. But all of a sudden, the car that decided to go straight, they're like, oh, I don't want to go straight anymore. I'd just like to veer into your lane because I want to be in your lane. And, that, I, and, and in a moment, it was like, oh, my gosh. I was thinking, am I going to die? Like, what's going to happen? I, I had to swerve out of the way and just fly out of the way so this guy wouldn't peg me. And uh, they may have been a tourist, maybe not. I'm not going to throw any tourists under the bus here or anything. But it, it did freak me out nonetheless. And, and, you know, I was quickly reminded, though, I thought I was cool on that scooter with the motor, moped, whatever you want to call it. I thought it was cool on that for only a certain amount of time until I realized, like, oh, I, I'm not really in control anymore. I, I almost just got pegged. I almost just got nailed. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I, I'm not in control you know, I thought I was awesome, but three tons versus 200 pounds, like, like what's happening with that? You know, like, I mean, I'm going to lose. I'm going to get messed up. The dark valleys can remind us of how small we really are. Especially when a predator comes or something bigger than us or some problem that we face or some disease or the loss of a loved one. As soon as that comes, it's like, dude, what up with the valley? You know, it's like me on my little moped. It's like I own the road. Oh, not really. As soon as a car comes in my way, the valley has a way of doing that to us as well. Why are the valleys, though, so dark? Why are the valleys so difficult? Sometimes, you know, when I'm in the midst of some of the valleys that I've been through in my life, it's like, dude, how, how could I take another step? This valley is, I, I hate it. This rut that I'm in, I'm stuck. The beauty of Psalm 23, when you look at it, and, and as a Christian, as we read this and we open it up, is it reveals this truth that, that God, say that God of the universe he can measure the whole universe with the, with the span of his hand. God, when he speaks, everything is created. 
God who is all-powerful, totally in control, is your shepherd. He is your shepherd. God is your shepherd. And when the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not want. When the Lord is my shepherd, he makes me lie down in green pastures. It's not like it gives me an, hey, hey, I'm going to let you lie down. No, I'm, your, I'm God. I'm in control. You're going to lie down in green pastures. I'm going to lead you beside still waters. I'm going to restore your soul. So good of a God we have. We have a God of the universe who looks at us and who are we? And he's like, hey, no, no, no. I'm not just going to do awesome things. For you. I'm going to restore your soul. This is the God that we worship. And he is also the God that we, when we are in the valley of the shadow of death, our good shepherd is right there with us. He is right there with us. You know, some people, commentators, believe that this valley that David is talking about is a literal valley. Uh, and some people say that, that it could be on the outer edges of, of different plains within Israel. But one thing's for sure, though, most believe that, we're the, that these valleys, that this valley of the shadow of death would have been an area where there is a, a small valley with incredibly large cliffs on either side. So the shepherd would have to, imagine this, you're a sheep, okay? Imagine you're a sheep for a second. You're walking with the shepherd, and as you're in the middle of this valley, you're looking up, and you see, like, wolves and bears wanting to come down and to, just to jack you up, you know? There would be those thieves that we talked about on the, on the black sheep market coming down to steal the sheep. And, and it, was, it was a scary place, that's for sure, you know? And so as, as you're thinking about this, and as you're imagining that you're there, doesn't it seem like everything's against you when you're in the middle of that valley? You see the enemies, you see the wolves, you see the bears, you see all these things that are out to get you. And it's like, is everything against me? I don't see how I could go on any longer. This is so difficult. But verse four says that even in the darkest of valleys, I don't have to be afraid. In the darkest valley, I don't have to be afraid. Fear, you can't shake me because Jesus is my shepherd and he is a rod in one hand and a staff in another hand and he's with me. And even the worst of enemies, the devil himself has got nothing on me because if I've got Jesus, no one can fight up against Jesus. Jesus is awesome. So what is there to fear? The tomb is empty. Jesus rose from the valley of the shadow of death. There is nothing for us to fear because we can have total confidence in our good shepherd because Jesus is alive. Our good shepherd is alive. It was in the valley of the shadow of death that Jesus took the punishment and drank the wrath for our sin. It was in the valley of the shadow of death that Jesus was scarred for all eternity so that we could be with him for all eternity. Think about that. When we're in heaven, in paradise with Jesus and we're worshiping him, he's going to have those scars that he bore on our behalf for all eternity. So when you step back and you look at it, this all comes into 3D. When, when you look at what Jesus said in John 10, you can turn there if you'd like. John chapter 10, verse 7. Jesus speaking, he says, Hey, I tell you the truth. I 
am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am at the gate, and those who come in through me will be saved. They will come through and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. It's pretty evident here that that, that God gave himself up in the valley of the shadow of death. That's what a shepherd does. Shepherd guards the gate. He is the one who gives us salvation. Jesus gives us salvation. Jesus goes on to say that in verse 12, a hired, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. That would be me. That's why I'm not God. And he will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And the wolves will attack them and scatter the flock. The hired hand runs away because he is working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Verse 17 says, the father loves me because I sacrifice all of my life and I can take it even back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Jesus' death on the cross wasn't an incident that God didn't have control. Those nails that were holding Jesus to the cross what, what wasn't pinning him there alone. It was the love that he had for you and for me. It wasn't just the fact that he was nailed to it. He's God. He can edit creation. He could have blown everyone, you know, off the face of the earth and just climbed off that cross and healed himself. But he let himself hang there because he voluntarily sacrificed his life. So in the second half of verse 18, he says, for I have the authority to lay it down and what I want to also take it up. For this is what my father has commanded. Jesus is our good shepherd. No doubt about that. This is powerful stuff. See, because for the Christian, even when your enemies attack you, when the devil is out to get you, when you're out to get messed up by someone, something, by an event, or whatever comes into your life, verse 6, verse 5 and 6 says, hey, you know what? You can be sitting at a table, sipping an iced tea latte, and, and, and all these people are coming around to mess you up, and you're just sitting there. You can even stick your pinky up if you want, because God has your back. Remember, our good shepherd has a rod and a staff in his hand. See, even in the midst of the darkest valley, of the valley of the shadow of death, God prepares a table before you. He's like, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to take care of you. He anoints our head with oil and our cup overflows. Our cup overflows in the valley of the shadow of death. What? I I don't get it. God, God, you are so good. This is the peace that we can have in the darkest valleys of our life. And it's not because we're great. It's because we serve a great God. We need a reckless abandonment from apathy. We need to charge it forward with faith. With many or with few, why can't Jesus turn Hawaii upside down? 
Why can't Jesus turn Kona upside down? And people will say, hey, you know what? The valley you're going through, the thing you want to charge, the thing that you want to go for and see God do amazing things in your life, just, just think about it more. Just, just seriously, be responsible. Take a step back. Think about it. It's not a good idea. It can't be done. You need to play it safe. The valley of the shadow of death doesn't seem safe at all. In fact, the gospel that we believe in Sure, it's safe because we have eternal security in Jesus. If we believe in him and we have faith in him, we've repented from sin. But there's nothing safe about being a Christian, <laughs> right? God calls us to do crazy things. You know, he calls a howley from Southern California to come and, and start a church with a group of friends. You know, we, I've, I've been living in Montana for the last three and a half years. I haven't seen the sun. You know, I'm like a fried lobster some of these days. And you should see some of the other people on our team. It's like, God, what are you thinking? This doesn't make sense. I I don't get it. He's like, no, no, no. Do you have that type of faith? Do you have that childlike faith just to say, God, I can can go for it. There's, There's no reason why I couldn't. If death's poisonous sting has been removed from the work of Golgotha and the cross and what Jesus did there, why am I so afraid of the valley? Why am I so afraid of the valley? And I'm being reminded that even as I face my own personal fears that that I need to spend more time worshiping Jesus and less time worrying. The more we worship Jesus, the more we set our eyes on him, the less we have to worry about. Because as we worship Jesus, our problems will diminish. Doesn't mean they're going to go away. Sometimes the problems get worse as we worship Jesus. But a more clear view of Jesus means that we have more a clear and re, a view of reality itself. And I wonder if, if Hawaii, would Hawaii ever recover from a group of people who were completely sold out for the gospel and who are in love with Jesus? Would, would Hawaii recover from that? You know, it's crazy to think about. You know, people who are fearless, People who are not only like, you know what? I'm not only afraid of the valley of the shadow of death. I'll, I'll charge the valley of the shadow of death, you know? And I just, I, you know, I, I just think of, you know, a lot of times it's like, you know, playing Halo, right? I, used to, I, I played Halo a lot back in the day. I don't play anymore because I have a life now. But I used to play Halo a lot. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, playing multiplayer on Halo was super fun. And there's this thing called the juggernaut. You could be the juggernaut when you're playing Halo. You're unstoppable. People can't touch you. So as Christians, like we're juggernauts. If we got Christ, we can charge the valley of the shadow of death. Or remember when you were a kid and, over, you know, summer vacation, you jump off the roof just for fun? Just like, I'm just going to jump off the roof just for fun. And now it's like, you know, we roll our ankles stepping over the curb. It's like something shifted. Something has is, is happened. And it's like, we need to be bold. We need to charge it for Jesus. We can't afford not to be bold for Jesus, right? Life's too short. The gospel's too important. Hawaii is too important. And you know what? I, I pray that this church is full of people, of, of locals, of, of Filipinos, of vacationers, of Howleys, of anything in between that. And I pray that not just for this church, but I pray that for the churches that are teaching the Bible throughout all Hawaii. And if we're not praying that as, as, as Christians, then man, that, that should be our priority. Because faith expects God to work out what seems impossible. God, could you really turn Hawaii upside down again? Could you really bring authentic revival back to this place? 
Not as a church that we're here to, hey, we got our agenda, we're trying to change the culture, but as a church, it's like, hey, no, 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 we're here to give you Jesus, to serve you, to be on our knees and to be in the trenches with people. You know, let's climb out of our cuddle sandwiches with our Christian circles and our Christian books and our Christian bumper stickers so more people can meet Jesus. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so many times you go hang out and it's like, it's like, oh, there are the Christians hanging out again. How do you know? Oh, because they're not hanging out with us. Did, did Jesus hang out with religious people? Did he hang out with the well? Or did he hang out with the sick? And one thing that we're going to be doing, and for those of you guys who, who, who call Kona your home, you know, we pray that you would consider making this your church because part of, of, of what we do as a church and what we believe is that, that being a Christian doesn't happen on Sunday, but being a Christian means that we do life together. We were created in the image of God to love him and to bring glory to him. And God said, hey, I'm going to make man in my own image. What was he doing? What was he saying? God said, let us make man in our own image. What that means is that God's talking to Holy Spirit and Jesus, and he's saying, let us make man in the image of us, which means we were made to be in the image of community. So part of what we're going to do as a church is, is we're going to be pushing community groups. We're going to be, we have a community group that Aaron will be talking about more at the end of this, this teaching um, and service. But, you know, we believe that we need to be on mission for the gospel. You know, I, someone that I was working with, you know, uh, she's like, hey, so you're a pastor, yeah? And, and she's talking to me back and forth. And she's like, well, you seem pretty cool. Like, like are you allowed to hang out with people? I was like, What? Um, yeah, I, I'm allowed to hang out with people. And, and, and you know, and I was like, actually, I, 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 you know, Jesus, he's my God, and, and that's who I worship, and, and, and I follow his example. Jesus hung out with sinners and, and people, and he hung out with, with the, the, not with the religious people. He hung out with everyone, and, and that's what I want to do. And she's like, yeah, I didn't, Jesus had a stripper on his team. I was like, former stripper, but yes, yeah, like, you're getting the concept. And she's like, well, let's hang out then. You know, and, and, you know, my wife and I were like, great. We're, you know, we're working on planning to hang out with her and get together and, and be on mission so they can meet Jesus, you know, and, and, and that's what it's all about. And I wonder, would Kona recover from a small group of people and small groups in a community, in a church that's just like, God, I want to see you move in this place. Eternity is on the line. So let's get out of our comfort zone and be reckless for him. Because if you have Jesus, not even hell or the devil can stop you. And again, got to go back because sometimes we can always make this me focused. It's not because we're awesome. It's because he's awesome and he is our good shepherd. Be encouraged with that. Our good shepherd is with us though, even through death itself. You know, just as the, the valleys of the shadow of death speak of dark, difficult times that we will face in our life, it also speaks about dying literally. I mean, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm going to breathe my last breath. My heart will not be beating anymore, and, and I'm going to die. You're going to die. Your life is going to end. And when our body is laid six feet under eternity, we'll, we'll either be with Jesus for all eternity or in hell for all eternity. And this verse makes it very clear. 
Psalm 23, verse 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We will be with Jesus through all eternity. And that's a beautiful thing because as Christians, that means we can face death. We can look death straight in the face and say, I'm not afraid of you. You can't shake me. You've got nothing on me. We, we can look at our worst enemy. We can look at all these things that are coming up against us. It's like, you've you got nothing on me. Because Jesus got a rod and his staff in his hand and he's got my back. So we need to make sure though that if we are going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that the Lord needs to be our shepherd. The Lord needs to be our shepherd. And when he truly is, I won't want anything else. Because if all you get in life is Jesus, you get all of life. If all you get in life is Jesus, you get all of life. Jesus said in in John 10, verse 9, through 10, he said, I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go out and find pasture. And the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I came that they may have life, and life more abundantly. It's by Jesus we are saved. Your salvation was not up to you. It was by a work of Jesus doing that on the cross. And you know, we have an enemy. Reality check, ding, ding, ding. It's like, we have an enemy and he's real. And sometimes I live my life, I look and it's like, I'm, I'm not living as though I have an enemy. But he wants me to be fearful. He wants me to be hopeless. He wants to take things from me. He wants to ruin my marriage, destroy my kids. He wants to ruin your marriage, destroy your family, take away everything you have. That's what, that's what the enemy wants to do. But Jesus says, hey, you know, I came to save. But I didn't just come to save you. I came to give you life. You could experience good green pastures. That's what Jesus wants for us to experience. That's such a beautiful and awesome thing. The enemy comes to take. The enemy comes to take. And Jesus comes to give life. And so because of this, we want to respond to Jesus. You know, we want to give our, our, our life to him and say, Lord, I'm totally yours. I'm, I, I, here I am. Whatever you want me to do, I'm available I want to be completely sold out for you. Whether you you call me to be on the mission field, you call me to be right here and to be in community and to get involved. God, I want to dwell in your house forever and I want to dwell with other believers. I want to be in this place and serve and see Kona transformed. We can pray that. That's what we can ask for. Just living completely for him. We need to let Jesus invade our life. Let the good shepherd invade your life. Let the good shepherd take over. Because listen, when you have Jesus, you don't need and you won't want anything else. Amen? Let's pray. We hope that Jesus is doing a work in your life from the message that you just heard. We would love to hear how you were impacted and what was impressed on your heart. Share your story by emailing connect at shorebreakchurch.com. And if you don't know Jesus as God, Lord, and Savior, or you have more questions, send us an email to info at shorebreakchurch.com so we can get you dialed in with a free Bible and resources for your new relationship with Jesus and answer any questions. If you'd like to support the gospel going out through Shorebreak, 
you can click the Give button at shorebreakchurch.com. You can give a one-time gift, a recurring gift, or whatever God puts on your heart. Mahalo.